And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. I'm your host tonight, Kathy Amos, and tonight I am joined by our special guest and friend from Assembly Call, Andy Bottoms. And this evening, we are discussing our number two ranked Hoosiers over number five Iowa's win, 78-87. to This win takes our women's record now to 23-1 and overall. 13-1 in the conference, and it puts us solely in first possession of first place in the Big Ten Conference. It's a huge, momentous win for our women's program for a lot of reasons, um, but now it solely puts our women in the driver's seat of their own destiny for the rest of February as they march continually towards that Big Ten title. But let's start our show the way we start every show, and with that's uh, our banner moment tonight. And and Andy, for me, I'm actually going to go to our fourth quarter here. It's about 7-12 left to go, and Garzon came in. She had four fouls. There's been a lot of foul trouble, which I'm sure we'll get into, but they tr trusted Garzon to come in. Um, she hadn't scored all night, and they hit her on the corner there for her first bucket of the game, which was a three-pointer. We go down to the other end to play some defense. We get the ball back from Iowa. Grace comes down, and has she had as she had been doing all of the second half, she drives the ball but actually gets fouled this time. She goes to the line and makes both of those free throws, and it puts Indiana up by seven with a 72-79 lead. Um, and we just never really, or excuse me, 62-69 lead. And to me, this was the largest lead at the, that point in the game. And I felt like that was a real turning point for our team because I don't think we ever really looked back. And then um, obviously finishing with a nine-point lead, but we had gotten into double digits later as well. But I thought that was a really momentous um, sequence of events for for our, our our team that ended up forcing Iowa to take a timeout at, as well, and it just really showed the trust that I thought the st uh, the coaching staff had in Garzon as a freshman to put her back in, and she really delivered. That was her first bucket. She ended up with eight on the game, and overall, I just thought that was such a pivotal point. I picked that as my my banner moment. Um, I think we had several to pick from, but that's the one I'm going with. And as always, our banner moment tonight is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is constantly releasing new items, new schools. In fact, they just released a hat for Indiana. So for those of you who might be a fan of the IU Oval, you can go out and get it on your hat now as well. Um, but they're refreshing other schools as well. And if you like our gear, other gear, even no college gears at all, you can go out and probably find something on Homefield Apparel. Um, go to homefieldapparel.com and you can use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off of your entire first order. Again, the website is homefieldapparel.com and the promo code is HOME, H-O-M-E. Wear one for the team. All right. And with that, um, I'm going to kick it over to Andy for Andy's analysis. So, Andy, what's your initial thoughts on tonight's win over Iowa? I mean, just a just a great game between two really, really good college basketball teams is, is you know, I mean, tied after the first quarter, tied at halftime uh, was a one point game late in the third quarter before IU scored the last four points to, to go up five heading into the, the fourth. Uh, and then. Uh, IU really pulled away uh, at that point. Uh, that that run that you mentioned was the one that I really marked down as well. Uh, had you know, Iowa had come back to tie it. IU starts the the fourth quarter with that five point lead, 
They they let Iowa come back to tie it. And then, as always, this team is just unflappable and ripped off seven points in a row. I think at that point, nobody had been up by more than six and uh, been really, you know, back and forth game. And and I think that was the uh, that that was the last of the 14 lead changes in the 11 ties that were in this game. I mean, just to speak to how even it was. So uh, just a really strong performance down the stretch from uh, from this team, what they've come to expect. And uh, it was in large part, all about Grace Berger and Mackenzie Holmes, who we'll talk about a ton. Uh, I thought Grace just completely controlled the game, really got it played at IU's pace. They ran when they wanted to run. Uh, they pulled it back when they didn't. And and after a pretty frenetic start, I think the game was played a little bit more like IU wanted to play it as the game went on. And they got some timely contributions from other people. You, you mentioned Garzone in the fourth quarter. Uh, Sarah Scalia was that in the first half with when she scored all eight of her points then. So uh, other people stepped in to, to pick things up. Chloe Moore McNeil had a good game. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of grace and a lot of McKenzie, and they, they both did awesome tonight. And uh, just a, a fun college basketball game that you can kind of enjoy a little bit more when <laughs> when your team wins eventually in the moment, a little tense. Uh, <laughs> that tight the entire game. But it, it actually seemed like it kind of flew by just because it was a – it was it was such a well played game and uh, just a, a, a great performance from IU. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that, Andy. I um, know we were texting during the game, and I told you I'm like I, I got to go take some emotional laps. So I was definitely uh, pacing pacing. I've never heard the term emotional laps, but I <laughs> think if I had, it's definitely a term I would have used at various yes. points in the past. Yes. Well, feel free to to take that. I can't I can't <laughs> say I coined it either. I got it from a Peloton instructor actually, but um, yeah, so I, I took some, I took some emotional laps in this, uh, especially in that fourth quarter to get me through. And, uh, and I also told my husband, I said, it's really good. I can talk, talk this out with Andy right now. Cause I, I don't think that I'm going to be able to get to bed when, when I need to go to bed. So, so thanks for coming here. And, and yes, you mentioned Grace and McKenzie and, you know, this definitely some of the things we've come to expect is, you know, the, the leadership, but the maturity and the poise, especially from, from them and, but for the team in general, Let's go ahead and jump about some of the other things to be as expected from our team. Um, so, Andy, is there anything in particular you want to jump on and add on to besides what we just started talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in a game like this, you got to have your stars <laughs> play as expected. And uh, and so I think with with McKenzie and, and with Grace, that was such a big factor. I think uh, Grace missed a early on missed a, a jump shot right yeah. in the mid range where she loves to get the ball and uh, but was able to get to the rim pretty much whenever she wanted, it felt like. And so I thought she did a good job of, uh, of shooting pull-ups when she could trying to get to the basket. And if she was frustrated, not getting some foul calls uh, here and there, I, I commented on Twitter that, uh, you know, if she got half the respect that Caitlin Clark got from the officials, she would have been at the free throw line a few more times, but um, right. just again, just really thought she controlled the tempo of the game uh incredibly well uh for iu and, and got iu into sets when they needed to but also um you know one of the one of the baskets they got toward the end of the uh third quarter that put them up five i think she kind of rushed it up the court took a pull-up mm -hmm. jumper from about 18 feet and just drained it um so yeah she just has such a good sense of the game and and when to go and when not to um so i think those are the kinds of performances you expect from her maybe not so much uh you know i think she almost got her career high which was 29 so she ended up with 26 uh tonight but i thought um i thought just a really solid game from her and those are the kinds of uh you know you got to count on players like that in a huge game like this and uh so she stepped up in a, in a big way there and that that was as expected for me 
Yeah, for sure. I, I'm definitely well said. Uh, I think for me, I'm going to talk about her defense now. You know, outside of Caitlin Clark, you know, Caitlin Clark's going to get her points. Uh, <laughs> I think very few teams have held her very much under 30. So 35 points for Caitlin Clark. But what I want to talk about is maybe as a whole, the team, we held Iowa to 10 points under their, their season average. They averaged as a team almost 90 points, 88. And in particular, I want to talk about Monica Sananu. Sananu um, averages is second behind Caitlin Clark and anyone would love her as the first high scorer. She averages around 18 points a game and we held Monica Sinanu to six points. Now I understand part of that was fouling. She had gotten to some foul trouble and had to sit quite a bit, but even in the first half, she only had two looks at the, at the, at the goal. So um, held her to four points in the first half, two more in the second. I thought that our defense on Monica Sinanu when she was in there was really just superb. And to be honest, I thought Chloe did a, a, a fine job on Caitlin Clark. It's just, <laughs> you know, as much as I it pains, Caitlin Clark is a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. And she's just, she can just hit so many shots that even contested, you know, just seemed to really go in for her. Um, and it helped that she, you know, had eight of 11 from the free throw line as well. So that to me though, is expected though, as a team, I thought our defense was, was really, again, pretty much on point, but what were your thoughts on defense tonight, Andy? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Zanana has been a player that's given IU fits in the past. And so to be able to hold her in check, uh, was really important And the foul term will help with that, but that was also part of the concerted effort from IU to, to yeah. go at her and try to get her in a little bit of foul trouble. It, it was funny. They really came out in the, um, in the beginning of the second half, really tried to go at her a couple times and didn't get fouls called. And then, uh, ironically enough, she ends up getting her third, not playing defense, but going after a rebound when McKenzie had blocked her out. So, um, you know, that was that, and that was a big foul. It really it, it really kept them a little bit off balance, made them more perimeter oriented. And as far as Clark goes, uh, you know, you, you look at the final stat line, she got 35 points, but she needed 28 field goal yeah. attempts and 11 free throws to get there. <laughs> Yeah, she had to work uh, I, hard for those 35 points. 100%. I, I thought yeah. Chloe really made things tough on her. Uh, and I thought in the first half, they they were, and to her credit, um, she was willing to give up the ball at times in the first half. I think she had seven assists at halftime, Yeah, um, ended with 10 on the game. And I thought in the second quarter, you know, I, I wrote down, IU, the people who IU wants to take shots are taking shots right now. And if they make right. them, they make them. But, um, and she was a little bit more assertive in the second half. And I think in general, uh, IU forced Iowa to go more one-on-one. -on -one. They had, trying to look back, I think they had 12 assists at halftime and they only ended up with 17 for the game. Um, and and so that was one of the things that was really yeah. hurting IU early on was their ability to find open people and, and convert. And IU made them a little bit more isolation focused in the second half. And while Clark's going to get hers doing that, I um, thought they largely took other people away and um, you know, you give up 78 points. It's kind of funny, like you say, that, to say, well, that's a really strong defensive effort, but it really was. And you <laughs> hold somebody to 35 points. And it's like, I, my, my family was gone for part of the game and they got home and they were like, well, how, you know, how are they doing against Caitlin Clark? And I was like, I don't think she had 30 yet. And I looked and she did have 30, but I was like, man, it really feels like they've done a good job. So. Right. Right. Uh, was it quiet on. 35? Can we say that? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing not. quiet about Clay Caitlin Clark. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not.
Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, the other thing that was as expected, and I think this is maybe a surprise to, to people that don't watch a lot of IU basketball is on the flip side of it was, you know, uh, how we scored 87 points. You know, I, I don't think people think of us as this high powered offense, especially if they watched us the past couple of years, you know, we've not been strong offensively, but you know, we average as a team, um, right around 80 points or so. And so we were uh, actually above our average. Again, some of that was, I was fouling in the last couple of minutes to try to slow the the game down and extend it. But, um, you know, I thought that was, that's again, a testament because, you know, we weren't having the best of night um, in terms of everybody clicking. You know, we had some foul trouble of our own with Garzon and Parrish who both were sitting out um, quite a bit the whole game and ended up fouling out. Um, but, you know, even Chloe, she, she struggled one for eight, but the thing that I thought was great, it was, they really had a good game plan to drive the ball and try to get to the line, which we definitely did as much as, you know, we're talking about Caitlin Clark getting the line. She was, you know, 11 of their 23. Well, we made 22 free throws. So we almost made as many as they took. So I thought that was, you know, again, something that is, you know, kind of coming to be expected from this team um, is really kind of our offensive prowess as well, which is again, something kind of new to this team. We're not used to yeah, it's it's funny. Like you said, you look up, you score eighty-seven points. Some of that's the you know the pace that Iowa wants to play at. But at the same time, you get eighty-seven points when you you don't get a ton of minutes from Sydney Parrish. You don't get a ton of minutes from from Garzone. Um, and and Scalia scored a lot of her points pretty quickly um, in the first half, which was a huge lift. But you know, didn't get a lot from her. So you just and and I think Chloe ended up with almost all her points from the the free throw line. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you I think you look at that and and you didn't necessarily feel like you were firing on all cylinders, but they found ways to get points. Um, didn't have a lot of second chance points, but I thought were really aggressive at trying to drive the ball to the basket. That earned them trips to the free throw line and um, you know got outscored in the paint, but overall um, were still pretty aggressive in that regard and shot the ball well from three, which is enough to open up driving lanes at you know seven to fourteen. Uh, on threes, they made as they made more than Iowa and took nine less um, from three, which is which is really what Iowa wants. Right. And and you know one other thing, not to get into stats too early, but you look at fast break points. Iowa only outscored IU twenty one to twenty. Um, yeah. So if you think about where IU is going to score points in a game that the, other, the opponent wants to play at a fast pace, they were able to take advantage of those, but they really didn't get lit up uh, in that area of the game like Iowa wants to do uh, to to the people that it's playing and. Uh, I thought that really kept Iowa from getting any sustained momentum uh, yeah. in the game at all. Yeah. So anything else you want to touch on in terms of what as expected, or do you want to jump over and talk about maybe some things that, that surprised you that you didn't expect to see tonight? Uh, I think we can, I think we can jump to the surprises. I think we hit the, the right. big ones. Yep. All right. You want to kick us off or. Um... <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I can, I can hop in. I, one yeah. of those was the turnovers. They talked about this yep. on the broadcast. Iowa averaged 14 turnovers a game. Uh, and ended up with 18 uh, in this game from IU, and and really a lot of those came uh, early. There weren't, yeah. you know, seven I think they in the had, first quarter. Yeah. yeah, 12 at halftime. So they only had six in the second half, but um, really thought that helped IU in some ways in the first half. It helped them navigate having uh, Parrish and Garzone in foul trouble. That you took some possessions away from Iowa by being able to get steals when you had a couple yep. nights, uh, you had a couple of your better players sitting on the bench. Uh, a lot in the half. So again, I think a testament to IU's defense, they were able to to frazzle Iowa a little bit, whether that was through, uh, you know, ball pressure from, from Chloe, uh, people getting in passing lanes. I, I just thought that 
that that rattle Iowa a little bit. And that's an area where in a team that's really explosive, if you can manage to turn them over just a few extra possessions uh, and take those possessions away from them, that it, it certainly helps a lot. So that was probably the biggest one uh, for me in that in that category. Yeah, great. Um, one of the surprises for me was actually the amount of fouling. Um, I know it was a really fast paced and obviously a super physical, physical game, but um, I've been, you know, I've been watching a lot of college women's basketball and they don't necessarily always call that. And, you know, we had two of our players foul out and then McKenzie Holmes with four. And then you had Sonano on Iowa with uh, fouling out and three of their players with four. And I was just surprised at the the fouling and it just didn't seem consistent either. Although that's, that's not a surprise. I'm just surprised that <laughs> they, they called, it never called so many. It, it seemed like, yeah, it was just, I was, I was just surprised in general at our fouling too, because just concentrating on what our team can control. Again, you can't control the referees and what they call or don't call. But historically, at least this year, we've been one of the least least fouling teams in the Big Ten. I said that very poorly, but we fouled the least of most of the Big Ten teams. So, and so that's something, you know, that Coach Morin really prides the team with and, and helps talk about that and staying disciplined and not fouling. So I actually was really surprised at how many fouls we got whistled for in, in this game in particular, especially, you know, um, Sydney Parrish. Garzon, that's been kind of an issue for her all year, but Sydney Parrish can kind of get into it. But McKenzie Holmes doesn't generally foul that much. So I was surprised that... Um, um, all of the fouling, but um, yeah, without critical yeah. of the referees, we don't need to talk about them. I think we all know. I mean, do you have any thoughts on on that? Yeah, I, I just thought it was um, it, it was a little bit. Oh, if you're still, oh, yep. Sorry, I think I'm still there. It's My okay. computer setup here is kind of flashing all over the place here. <laughs> um, you, you know, I, I just thought some of the fouls were. I thought some of the things that got called made very little sense compared to some of the things that didn't. Yes. Um, that, thank you. And That's I thought, I thought, it. I thought there were a few like phantom calls and, and I know Clark definitely got the benefit of the doubt going to the basket in some cases. And I think, you know, even on Parrish's fourth foul, she got beat on the inbound. She really tried to grab her before she even shot. So she probably did foul. I don't think she fouled her on the shot, but right. um, some of those things. And McKenzie picked up two real, real quick ones um, in the, yeah, right in, in, the in the third quarter. You know, mm -hmm. Parrish got one on a moving screen, um, just kind of odd things to get called for and not as much of, of doing stuff on the ball. You know, Garzone, I think it was her second that uh, I think I just wrote down Terry Morin is pissed in my notes. She just like <laughs> hip checks somebody coming across. It's like yeah. you can't. Maybe that was her third. I don't remember which one it was, but it was like, yeah, that, that's a foul. You're not getting away with that one. So, right. Um, right. I thought they missed stuff on both sides. I thought one of the fouls on that they did call on Grace Berger inside was probably the least contact that there was. Um, my favorite was the late whistle where girl shoots it, ball yep. goes over the basket, somebody rebounds it. And I think it even like taken a dribble and then they called yes. uh, the foul on that. But, um, yeah, yeah. 44 fouls. I, I you know, yeah, sometimes I, know. I like to turn over to watch the women's game so that they're not <laughs> officiated, uh, like a, like a street fight. And, uh, you know, this was not quite the, the refreshment that I was looking for in that, right. uh, in, that, no, not in those terms, but. Uh, but they, you know, they managed to navigate it. I thought they yeah. um, did a good job of managing the rotation and, and keeping them out there for the most part and having to roll the dice a few times. And it, it worked more often than not in, in terms of yeah. being able to at least get themselves through toward the end of the game to be able to survive. 
Yeah, and this might be a good time to talk a little bit about Sarah, um, Sarah Scalia. So that ended up with, you know, Sarah having to play 32 minutes off the bench, which, you know, again, for her, she's also started several games. She started at Minnesota. 32 minutes isn't isn't too bad, but she came in, and I thought in that first half at least, and gave us some really key moments, right? Like she had eight points, two, two for four um, from three-point line, and hit both of her free throws because that was one of the other surprises for me as a team. Um, was just our free throw shooting in general. We normally shoot around 77%, and tonight we shot 64% as a team. But Sarah didn't seem to be bothered by that. She came in and nailed both of those. And I thought that first half for Sarah was a very solid um, half, both offensively and defensively. But what what are kind of your thoughts on Sarah coming in off of the bench? Yeah, she had one of the bigger shots. It feels like a long time ago, I guess because it was. But I took a timeout down 13-7 in the first half after giving up a 13-2 run. And coming out of the timeout, she hit a big three after that and really steadied things a little bit, got it back to the three-point game. Uh, obviously, you're not going to lose the game in the first quarter in that scenario, but just one to give them back a little bit of momentum, get the crowd back into it. Uh, it was off a nice pass from from Chloe Moore McNeil. And, and so, um, you know, they navigated things there, got it back to um, a close game, and then Sydney Parrish ended up hitting a three and tied it at 15, which um, – you know, kind of got IU right back in it. And so I thought her being able to step in in those scenarios was uh, was huge. She didn't score in the second half. Um, yep. I don't think she took too many shots, though, to, to be honest with you. I don't either, um, no. But she was one that really was aggressive in transition. She missed a layup that she probably wishes she had back at one point in the, in the first half, but um, came out and was aggressive. And on a night when you needed other people to be able to step up and score a little bit to provide another threat out there, she did a really good job of that and uh, was a big spark in the second, in the first half. And then, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, Garzone was pretty much the same thing in the fourth quarter, hadn't scored at all and got eight big points there in a row. So just kind of getting those lifts from uh, different people uh, on this team has been a, a hallmark of their play all season. Right. Yeah, um, there were there were a lot of kind of fun plays like that. I thought um, <laughs> McKenzie had one. Um, what was it? in this the first quarter yeah it was towards the end of the first quarter where they are trying to get the ball down to Sananu and you know Sananu is really posting her up and really backing into her and so they started to throw the ball in and, and Grace or excuse me McKenzie just backed off of her and Sananu just fell down and <laughs> I thought it was funny my husband looks at me and goes oh she pulled the chair out in about like Absol two seconds later, absolutely the announcer yeah. said the same thing and I'm like that that's just fun I I enjoyed <laughs> seeing that and so <laughs> there were a lot of fun moments like that into this game so uh it, it definitely did not disappoint that was definitely not a surprise but how about before we jump inside the numbers Andy any other expectation or surprises that are um, left in your notes you want to bring up I, I didn't really see any um, that I had. I'm just kind of looking down the the score sheet. I, I think, you know, Chloe only going one for eight from the field is a bit of a surprise, but she expended yeah. so much energy defensively on Caitlin Clark yeah. that maybe that makes it a little bit less of a surprise. Uh, with her, though, you talk about leaving some points at the free throw line, potentially. She definitely was not one that did that uh, in both halves, stepped up and, and made all of her free throws. She was eight for eight from there for the night. So I think her overall shooting um, – suffered but i think it suffered for a good reason and that was her really putting right. in so much effort on the defensive end and uh still was able to come up had three assists uh and so uh and and nine rebounds so it was not like she didn't contribute by any stretch of the imagination just from a shooting perspective she's been uh better than that over the course of the season but i, I think an explainable uh off shooting night from her for sure yep yeah Awesome. All right. Well, let's that's maybe a good segue since you're talking about numbers. We'll just go ahead and jump inside the numbers. And um, Andy, I'll go ahead and start on this one, if that's OK. Um, and I'm going to uh, key in on uh, 
uh, actually the turnovers you had talked about, which was 18 for Iowa and only 12 for us. You know, Iowa also turns their opponents over not a whole lot, about 14 a game. But the thing that was, I guess, maybe a bit of a surprise for me is that we ended up with only 14 points off of those 18 turnovers. So we just didn't seem to quite capitalize like sometimes we have in the past. Um, but that was just kind of one number. But, you know, and then Iowa, though, turned our 12 12 turnovers into 11 points for them. So we ended up almost even on the points off of turnovers, even though we had um, quite a few less than they do, uh, the, than they did. But what do you have um, in terms of any team stats that you might want to talk about? Yeah, a big one for me was rebounding. Iowa really got off to a good start on the glass. And I think they were up, trying to find where I had it here. Yeah, they had out rebounded yeah, IU by 10 at, uh, at halftime. And I gave up six offensive rebounds in the first quarter and three the rest of the game. Uh, and so I thought, you know, again, as you're trying to slow down a really, really good offensive team, not giving them easy baskets on second chances was uh, was really important. So they tightened that part of the game up a lot. And the t- final rebound margin only ended up being one. Uh, mm-hmm. I know rebound margin, not the best stat. Uh, better to look at more in terms of rebounding rates. But um, to be able to, to rebound from a slow start on the glass and, and use that as another way to shut things down for Iowa, I thought was really impressive. And you know, talked about Chloe having nine rebounds. I think Grace had nine nine rebounds as yep. well. Um, and so, you know, getting rebounds from your uh, your guards is it becomes huge in that scenario. So Mackenzie only had only had six uh, comparatively, and and so I thought that was really important uh, and and something they really improved on over the course of the game. Yeah. And, and along that lines, I had rebounds down as well. And, um, you know, I actually wrote down, uh, I, I thought <laughs> if we're going to key in again on some of the defense that we played on um, Caitlin Clark, part of it too is her rebounding. She actually leads Iowa in rebounding. She averages right around um, eight or nine rebounds a game. And we held her held her to nine, four rebounds. Um, I don't know if you held people to rebounds, but I thought we did a nice job of, you know, keeping her off the glass as well. Um the other one, though, that was actually a bit of a surprise for me is the points in the paint. You know, once, you know, Sananu was kind of gone out with um, her fouls and we had McKenzie and Grace, especially coming out of halftime, it cl- was clear to me that our our game plan was to drive the ball. We still got outscored in the paint 44 to 36. So I was a, a little surprised because when I was watching the game, it just didn't feel like that to me. It felt like we were really driving the ball, getting down low. Um, but it just, I was, so I was actually surprised that Iowa outscored us in the paint um, with as much as, you know, withholding Sananu to only six. Yeah, I was a little bit too when I, I saw that looking at the stats after the game. I do think um I think Stolke it was came in, played really yeah. well for Iowa and uh, not from the free not from the free throw line, but from yes. uh, but from the field. Uh <laughs> and free so, throw defense was really good. <laughs> yeah, really, especially on her, 0 for eight. Um yes. <laughs> but you know, I thought she she helped with that. And then when Clark really started to drive the ball a little bit more and was able to get get fouled and and um, have some and one opportunities, I thought that was really I guess where that uh, where that went. I mean, realistically, though, if you look at IU, they made 22 two-point shots, if I'm doing the math correctly, and so yep. 36 points in the paint. So there's really only, um, you know, four shots that they made outside of the paint, which uh, were probably all, uh, uh, I think probably three of them, Grace Berger, mid-range jumpers, and I think one of them was Mackenzie Holmes, or maybe two were Holmes. Right. But, um, right. But so I think they still did an effective job there, but I was a yeah. little bit surprised in the aggregate to see it end up that way because it it certainly felt like IU was the aggressor. Maybe that was just not getting as many to fall when they got fouled and just going to the free throw line for two shots instead of actually scoring. But yeah, um, but would agree with you there. 
Yeah, good. Um, what other team team stats kind of stick out to you, or maybe if you want to talk about an individual we haven't talked about so far? Um, uh, well, I mean the one, I mean the one number that we should bring up is thirteen thousand forty six, which was the attendance, yes. which set the new uh, set the Thank new. Thank you. Attendance I was record. going there next. <laughs> um, so I guess that's a good one for the for the program. Yeah. I mean, just just awesome. I know Ari was texting me some updates there, and you know, as people started getting into the balcony and, and stuff like that, I think um, just well-deserved, but awesome to see uh, people really rally around this team. And uh, they're so enjoyable to watch. I don't know how you could go to a game and not want to go back. So uh, hopefully you get those people hooked. They come back for the last couple home games of the season there. But um, crowd really, uh, really got into it at times. Uh, According to somebody on the broadcast may have been um, the reason that the shot clock was uh, or that the clock was having issues. I'm like, I feel like we're just making That's stuff ridiculous. up at that point when they're like, oh, they have a crowd. They think the clock might have issues with that. I'm I've like, never know. heard that before. And when I'm we have, sure you that's know, not how those work. I don't know. It but doesn't, anyway, so, no. <laughs> and I would true, assume, great, but you know. I assume they use the same clock they do for the men's game. And, you but, know, we've yeah. had 17,000 in there. So I just don't, I don't understand that comment either. So, yeah, I don't know. We got real problems. Stuff's falling from the scoreboard and the men's game when everybody gets loud, this gets loud, the clock stops working. I don't know. We may have maybe right. some facilities <laughs> upgrades here at some point, but uh, no. So yeah. definitely wanted to hit on that number. And, um, you know, nothing else really from a, an, an, I mean, I guess let, let's talk Mackenzie Holmes a little bit. I know we've alluded yeah, to her. Uh, yep. I guess if we're thinking individuals that we haven't touched on a lot, I mean, she ends up yeah. with 24. 10 of 17 from the floor, only four of eight from the free throw line, but um, thought they found a variety of ways to get her involved. There were some straight post-ups. I thought Iowa did a good job dependent, defending uh, some of her moves where she likes to spin back to the middle. Yep. I think Caitlin Clark got her on one of those toward the end of the, um, either end of the first quarter or end of the first half where, um, you know, kind of showed she was ready for for her to spin back, but they got her on the move a little bit. Uh, at times, and, and really her effectiveness got Zanano in foul trouble, and then they continued to try to go to her, um, you know, when when she was out of the game, and, and thought IU was even effective when Iowa went to his own, being able to get the ball inside to, right. to home. So that really should be uh, meant to neutralize uh, getting the ball inside, but but that did not uh, that did not stop her one bit as she went through. No. So uh, a really good win for her. And they talked on the broadcast a couple of times about how she really just wasn't herself in those matchups last year and yeah. uh, whether she said it or not, y- you knew that she wanted to come out and have a good game now that she's at full strength. And uh, she certainly did that uh, between her and Grace. I think they had 20 of the 23 in the third quarter. And that was really where IU at least started to try to take control of the of right. The game. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, McKenzie uh, was 24 points tonight. The the only unusual thing for her, and I think, again, this is a testament, I think what I was doing on her was fairly effective. She was 10 of 17. So, she, you know, she had to really work for those 24 as well. Um, you know, normally she's up in a, a much higher shooting percentage um, for herself, but no, no complaints at all about McKenzie's play at all tonight. She had, you know, only two turnovers, which is as much as they were really zeroing in and trying to get that. But on the defensive end, I thought she just again I touched on it a little bit I thought she did a great job with Monica Sananu and she ended up um, having four steals in the game too and that was one of my moments I had written down too you know Mac just got a steal and then um, she's just running out of bounds trying to get that ball and she it was going and she ends up throwing it off of Sananu's leg and then we we get the ball and I think it's just those kind of plays that don't show up in the stats that just make make this team so much fun and that was one from McKenzie I thought really stuck out for me um, let's talk maybe a little bit, if you would, about Sydney Parrish. So Sydney, we talked 
um, quite a bit of foul trouble tonight. She ended up only playing 21 minutes. In those 21 minutes, she had nine points, but she also committed four turnovers. And so I just thought this game wasn't quite there for Sydney. Again, we can, you know, talk about whether the fouls were fouls or not, but um, regardless, I just thought that it wasn't the smartest game we've seen from Sydney and it's not exactly what we've come to expect, but what are, what are your thoughts on Sydney's game tonight? Yeah, I thought the, I thought the fouls really seemed to throw her off in the, in the second yeah. quarter. Cause she got off to a good start. She had five points in the first quarter, had a big block um, and, and hit a three and, and was able to, you know, kind of get off to a good start. Didn't have any fouls, only had one turnover at that point. And I think she got those turn or both her fouls pretty early uh, in the second quarter. And then just seemed mm-hmm. like she couldn't really get into much of a rhythm uh, at that point. Only ended up playing two minutes uh, in that quarter because she got, you know, two fouls, two turnovers. One of those was, you know, kind of doubled up because it was an offensive foul on the screen. So, right. um, and, and so then, you know, she comes in in the in the third quarter, and I think picked one up relatively early. Did hit a did hit a big three uh, about the middle of the quarter. I, I want to say, um, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, pretty pretty early. Got her third foul. I thought that was one of the fouls against Clark, where I was like, I didn't really know um, what she did uh, in in some of these cases, and. You know, so I just felt like she never got into a, a rhythm. I mean, she did play eight minutes in that quarter, but I think was playing a lot of it trying not to foul, like, you know, pick up a fourth foul yep. because Garzone had gotten in foul trouble, and I think they were trying to to ride it out with her. So I thought it was just more of a rhythm thing than than anything uh, with her, and then was really just a, a complimentary player there as she played in the in the fourth quarter, and they kind of went back and forth. And she got her fourth early. They put Garzone back in with her with four pretty early in the quarter uh, in the fourth quarter, and they just kind of tag teamed it to get through to the end of the game. But um, yeah, I yeah, agree. Not necessarily the performance that you'd look for from her, but I thought it was more the the whistles that totally yeah. took her out of what she, what she normally wanted to do. Yeah. I think that was a, uh, that's a good point. And then, so yeah, so we had Garzon ended up only playing 24 minutes as well, which meant we, we had to bring in some of our bench players. We've already talked about Sarah, but we also had um, Hina Sandvik came in and she gave us five minutes. And I thought those minutes were, they were, they were pretty, they were, they were fine. Um, in fact, I thought towards the end, you know, when she was playing, she got that great steal. I, I didn't write how much time there was around two minutes or so left in Iowa Fowler. Um, unfortunately she missed both her free throws, but I thought that was an important steal, um, that she ended up getting, even though it looks like she didn't even get credit for it. But, um, I thought, I thought Henna came in and gave us a good five minutes off the bench as did Lily Meister, but these, those are the main contributors, those three off of our bench, but any thoughts on in general on our bench play tonight? Yeah, I thought Sandvik stepped in and, uh, you know, they really didn't have a lot of other places to turn at that point with with both them in foul trouble. And I think if the game's close, you probably don't risk, um, you know, Parrish or, or Garzone getting a third. So uh, gave her some minutes and she, you know, didn't didn't take any shots, but I thought was, you know, played hard, was a net, uh, you know, a net positive being out there. You're not looking for her to score. You're just looking for her to get in there, defend um move the ball and and i thought she did a good job of that for somebody being thrust into uh, a difficult situation uh at that stage and i think you know lily meister got a nice uh offensive rebound uh when she was in made one of her two free throws there um down the stretch yeah Yeah. so i I thought that was um that that was good you know they're up nine at that point i think her free throw put them up 10 um so was able to and they were able to steal some rest from mckenzie at that point she was in foul trouble as well uh, but also played pretty much the whole first half so uh, was a good chance to get her a little bit of rest and thought she acquitted herself, um, you know, just fine. I thought they kind of went to her when Zanano was out so they could uh, not put her in a situation to 
to have to defend her. And so I thought that was just, you know, smart coaching from, from coach yep. Morton and a uh, good chance to get her some experience. Yep, absolutely. So, um, I don't have any other numbers per se right now. Uh, do you have anything else you want to touch on in terms of numbers? I don't think so. All right. Well, with that, um, we will just go ahead and jump into our game ball. So, um, if you're watching live in our YouTube, you can see at the bottom of our screen, we have a scrolling ticker with all of the game balls we've had. So, so far this year, we've had 13 for McKenzie Holmes, three for Sydney Parrish and Yarn Garzon, two for Grace Berger, one each for uh, Sarah Scalia and Chloe Moore McNeil. So Andy, as our guest on our show tonight, I'll let you go first. Who gets your game ball for tonight? Uh, I, I got to go with Grace Berger. I thought as much as, uh, you know, she led the team in scoring. So that's an, it may be an easy answer in that regard, but I just thought her ability to really control the flow of the game, uh, was, was so, so important for IU and, uh, hit big shots every time they needed one really took over, particularly in the second half. Um, you know, if I look at I'm trying to see here, the second half, she scored 19 yeah. uh, of those 26 in the second half. So, um, you know, yeah. took 14 shots. I thought was, Smartly aggressive, though. I didn't feel like she forced shots. I thought she um, knew what the team needed, got the ball in the spots where she's able to score and, and really be effective and uh, was just an awesome floor leader out there. So to me, it was it was her not uh, nothing wrong with going with McKenzie. But I just thought the way that Grace with the ball in her hands controlled uh, controlled things was was so huge for IU. Yeah, I, I'm going to second that. I think uh, this was one of the actually surprisingly easier game balls for me to to think about. And, and you would look at the box score and you think McKenzie again for her 14th. But I, I think Grace had just the all around great game from beginning to end in terms of um, both ends of the floor. She almost ended up with the double double. She was one point away from the, or excuse me, one rebound away from that. Only had one turnover. She played almost the entire game, 39 minutes. Um and like you said, you know, she was uh, 26 points. And most of that, you could tell, um, 12 of them, I think, in, in just the third quarter alone. You could tell coming out of this, the the halftime, I thought she just was like, okay, I'm going to put this team on my back. I were, you know, maybe I'm not shooting my mid-range as well as I normally do. I'm not making my shots. I'm going to just drive the ball. And I'm sure the coaches coached her through that as well. But it shows her maturity and her poise and willingness to to switch her game plan up because it's not necessarily always, you know, what we would see from Grace. And I just thought, again, her poise really um, came out and helped this team again. And, you know, the coaches are always talking about the maturity. I think she leads the way in that category. And I think the rest of the team kind of follows her lead. So for me, I think Grace gets the game ball as well. So that makes the third one for Grace this year. So with that, Andy, let's switch over to the Hoosier Hustle Award. And uh, again, our Hoosier Hustle Award, we've had quite a few this year. So Sydney Parrish right now leads the way with seven. Chloe Moore McNeil with four and a half. Grace Berger with three. Lily Meister, two and a half. Um, Bar uh, Lexi Bargasser with two. And then one each for Alyssa Geary, Garzon, and Caitlin Peterson. But I think this one is an interesting one, Andy. You could definitely go, I think, a couple different routes. But which way do you want to go with yours? Uh, I'm going to go with Chloe Moore McNeil. Um, I, it probably not too often you guard somebody who scores 35 points. You're like, man, you played great defense, but that <laughs> for me is what this was about. I, I thought she really made things difficult on, on Caitlin Clark. Uh, and, and in addition to that, as we talked about before, I got nine rebounds, had three assists. Um, but I just thought played her butt off against, against Clark to really make her earn 
uh, everything she got. And, and again, held her to 12 of 28 shooting. Um, she got to the line 11 times, three of 11 from three. And she hit two of those threes really, really early in the game. Yeah. Uh, yep. And, and had one uh, from there on out for the rest. So I just thought she really made her, made her work for it. And if this is, um, you know, we, we run into this sometimes on the assembly call where it's like, well, you don't, doesn't necessarily have to be like if you were second place for the game ball, which would easily be Mackenzie Holmes to me. Uh, yeah. To me, I think there's something to be said. Uh, I think if you look at hustle, uh, I think uh, Chloe Moore McNeil is uh, is right there as a definition of that the way she played tonight. Yeah, I, I, I actually am going to agree with that. I do want to talk a little bit. I thought you know in the first half, Sarah Sarah um, Scalio really gave us some good minutes in that first half. But I think Chloe Moore McNeil from beginning to end really just gave us some some great points. You know, uh, she ended up playing almost the entire game, 37 points and. Um, she only had three fouls, which again, with as much defense as she was expected to play on Caitlin Clark and as many you know times that Caitlin Clark was getting to the line, it wasn't from Chloe Moore McNeil fouling her. So um, the only you know, blemish we could talk about is her um, one of eight field goals. But, you know, to your point uh, earlier, you know, <laughs> she was expending a lot of energy on that defensive end of the floor. So I think we give her some grace with that. And she almost ended up with a double-double as well. Um, you know, 11 points and almost all from the free throw line. But she had nine rebounds, too. And they were all defensive rebounds. And I think all eight of those were really important, especially with as many times as, you know, Iowa was actually getting the ball back and getting second-chance points, right? They they got us on the second-chance points with 11 to only four for us. So so those eight defensive rebounds I thought were very important from Chloe as well. So I actually um, had her written down for my game ball as well. So Andy, with that, um, that kind of leads us then to um, our lingering questions, which I know you were on here with Jeff before um, after the Ohio State game. And, and I, you know, again, it's hard <laughs> to come up with lingering questions for a team that has only lost one game. But, you know, we're getting ready to play Ohio State again, which we'll preview here in a little bit. But do you have any lingering questions that's on the top of your mind after tonight's game with Iowa? You know, I think if – I guess the only thing you can think of is, do you have a little bit of a hangover from this game? I think this team has kind of yeah. proven over the course of the season that seems pretty unlikely. Um, but, uh, but I guess if there was going to be one, and, and I know we've talked about this a lot with, um, you know, talked about this after the the Purdue win for the the men's team. You know, can they back it up with another big win? And so uh, this team has routinely done that over the course of the season. So I don't know that it's a anything anybody's too worried about. But also it was a fast paced game, expended a lot of energy. Um, but I think you've got till it's not till Monday, right? Monday. That the, um, that the game is, so you got a little bit of a break, uh, to regroup from that. It's another home game, which helps as well. And so, um, I feel like I know what the answer to that question is, but I guess if there was one, um, you know, how do you, how do you come back from this and stay focused? And because now you, you've got a, a, the smallest amount of breathing room, uh, at the top of the standings. And if you're able to, uh, you know, go through and, um, and, and play well in these next few games, you find a way to win at Ohio state. Then you right. got two home games coming back. I think I said that wrong a minute ago. Um, <laughs> you've got, you know, two home games after that, before yeah, you close absolutely. out at Iowa. I think what you want is to uh, ideally not have that Iowa game mean uh, a whole lot at the end. And then you're kind of right. just playing with house money at that point. So I think that's really where this game comes up uh, as a big one is, you know, if you're able to go on the road, beat Ohio state, who's been struggling of late. Um, if you're able to do that, 
you, you, you really got all the momentum in the world coming down the stretch. So it's really just, can you take this on the road in a tough environment against a team that's desperate and, and keep things rolling? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't really have any lingering questions outside of that either. I mean, we've got four games left to finish the the season here. So yes, we will talk in more detail about our matchup or rematch with Ohio State here in a minute. So we have them on Monday and then we come back home to face Michigan, another ranked opponent, um, currently ranks 12th. And then we have Purdue coming into town on Sunday the 19th, which I'm, I'm hearing our record, our Ticket sales are um, quite high for that, too. So if you are around on the 19th, I think in particular Grace Berger has earned your attendance, hopefully, in this game. It's senior night for our women, so just a plug there um, to go out and and get yourself a ticket and get to that game. And, um, and then, we, like you mentioned, we end up facing Iowa again, but this time on the road on February 26th, which is a Sunday. So uh, I think that you're, you're right. You get, can we continue to stay focused? You know, we're really coming into the the last stretch of our season here and we have a, a, a game and a half lead. So we now have a cushion, but Iowa schedules a little bit easier than ours. And um, you know, right now they're, they're just, they're still right behind us in those standings. Um, and, you know, don't count out Maryland either. Um, you know, they're two and a half games back and we just can't afford with any of these four games really to stub our toe. Um, so I think it's important to do what Coach Moran always preaches. Dwell on this. Enjoy the the win. It was a phenomenal win. I don't want to discount it because it was an amazing win and important for our, our team this year and important for our program and its history overall. But take it 24 hours, enjoy it, and then we got to move on to Ohio State because even though Ohio State may be reeling, they still have some talent on that team and we're now going into their house. So um, I think for me, that's the same lingering question. I don't have any, any others with this team other than to just continue seeing the maturity and the poise game after game has been a ton of fun. Um, anything else with that? Or do you want to start talking about Ohio state and then we can give our final thoughts? No, I think, I think we're good. I think most of the things that you saw tonight that were potential negatives in terms of the foul trouble just hasn't been, uh, something this team has has done on a consistent basis. So to me, that doesn't quite fit the bill for lingering questions. So I think we're I think we're good to talk yeah. a little bit of OSU. All right. So with that, we do have a rematch coming up with Ohio State. They are currently ranked 13th. That game is on Monday, February 13th. It tips off at 7 o'clock Eastern or 6 o'clock Central. It will be once again aired on Big Ten Network. Um, in terms of history, IU is 23 and 58 all time, which is including an away record in Columbus of only 7 and 37. So historically, Ohio State has definitely had our number and especially in Columbus. However, we won that last matchup earlier this season um, back in Bloomington 78-65 for those of you who watched it or um, might have missed it it was really on the back of that you know third quarter I think in particular where we held Ohio State to only six points so um, in terms of Ohio State uh, they are currently 21 and four overall and nine and four in the conference their most recent game was yesterday when they beat Minnesota at home 63 to 93 um, and just as a side note all four of their losses have actually came in conference play and almost all four back to back um, so that it was just a, a kind of an interesting stretch here I think Iowa or Ohio State rather is um, something like uh, let's see four they've lost I think they're four of their last six or something like that. They lost two in a row, won one, lost another one, and then won again. So I think that um, if I did my math right. Um, Andy, do you want to talk about their um, stats or do you want me to keep going? 
Uh, I mean, you can keep going if you want. Yeah. I, I think um, I know they've had an injury, and I think the notes here say that this person was back. I was trying to look back. JC Sheldon. Yeah. yeah I was trying to look at the box score. I don't see her in the box score from the game. She yesterday. didn't play in Minnesota, okay. uh, but I'm not 100 percent sure. So I'll kind of, I can kind of look back if you want to keep going. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that'd be good. Um, so as a team, uh, they are averaging right around 83 points per game, um, but uh, they only give up 66 points per game. That definitely is early on. If you watched Ohio State, they, their calling card is really that press that they have of theirs. Um, and they've really given some teams some fits. Um, they, they're not a strong rebounding team. They get out rebounded by about a rebound, one rebound margin. Um, in terms of shooting, offensively, 47% field goal percentage and 33% from three. Um, but again, they're holding their opponents to only 41% field goals and only 28% from the three-point line. Uh, in turnovers, they are forcing a very large 22 turnovers per game, but they only commit around 14. So they definitely have their calling card, again, as a team that likes to turn their opponents over while really a bit taking care of the ball a bit more. And they're also really good at sharing the ball, averaging right around 18 assists per game. Okay, so they have six players averaging double figures. So Taylor Mikesell leads them with 17.6 points per game. Uh, J.C. Sheldon had came back. Have you found out, Andy, did she play in that Minnesota game? Uh, looks like she played in the game before that before, against maybe Maryland and then um, might have just rested against Minnesota. Since yeah. it, it just kind of – I'm reading it. I'm trying to skim through this article, but it seemed like she's – I, I, she was out for a while, so got a little bit to to get back to full strength. So they may have just rested right. her in that uh, in that Minnesota game. So yeah. I would assume, unless she had a setback, which I didn't see anything about, that she could probably play at least some yeah. in the IU game, which gives them a big lift and another uh, potential offensive option. Yeah. So that's important for Ohio State because prior to her injury, she was averaging right around 14 points per game. So getting her back and into the the swing and plus, you know, she's got some great leadership as a more veteran player, I think will be important for them. Uh, the thin, their third leading scorer is Taylor Theory. She averages right around 14 points per game. She also leads the team in rebounding at seven points per game. Um, and again, their coach is Kevin McGruff. He's been there since 2014. But what do you remember? I think you did that post game with Jeff, right? What do you remember from from that Ohio State game that you want to talk about. I actually did the Michigan game with him, which Michigan I think was game. right okay. either Michigan right before or right after it, I, I believe. It was right before, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think that was a game that uh I did watch it. I think I just couldn't um I just couldn't come on. And I, you know, it was a game that I you kind of controlled for the most part, if I'm remembering it correctly, never really blew him out of the water, but I don't feel like was ever really, really challenged um, as, as best I can recall. So, you know, I think, you know, if, if she's back, that that certainly makes it a little bit different game. Um, but they've still struggled lately. They got – Maryland's a really good team, obviously, but they got uh, blown out there, came back to blow out, uh, you know, a, a Minnesota team that's struggling. So, um, you know, there's certainly talent there. Uh you know, they're really trying to right the ship. They got off to such a good start and have been reeling a little bit lately. So again, you're going into a place where, um, you know, they're somewhat desperate for a win uh, and and playing at home against a, a really highly ranked team. So it'll be a tough environment uh, for IU as they go through. But I think one they'll be uh, they'll be ready for for sure. But uh, yeah, as you said, that was the game that just kind of basically played pretty even, except for the third quarter when they. Uh, right. Uh, you know, took it to him. I think it was, looks like it was 36 to 32 Ohio State at halftime. And then I got scores of 27 to six. So Ohio State outscored IU, 
in in total for the other three quarters it was just that IU played that well uh, in that particular quarter so we'll see uh, we'll see what happens uh, Cody McMahon was the one that led them in scoring although I think she fouled out of that game it looks uh, yeah that's right um, she had 21 in that game so uh, you know just a lot of talented uh, young players in the Big Ten <laughs> she's she's one of those as well so we'll see uh, how IU can do but. Um, you know, always good to have already already know that you can beat a team going into it, and yeah. uh, you know, try to try to be able to do that, and and knowing that you got those two home games uh, coming up after that gives a little moment, you know, a little bit of extra motivation to say, hey, let's get over the hump with this one, then we go home for two, right, uh, and can uh, and can can hopefully uh, take things take things down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, so I don't have anything else on Ohio State. So let me talk programming notes. And so for those of you who don't know, Jeff, uh, Marlo is keeping us up to date for all of our Hoosier alumni who are playing in the professional ranks. You can find those updates on our private community or you can find them on our Twitter feed. If you don't already, you can find us on Twitter by just searching for doing the work with spaces in between everything and follow us there. And you can find Jeff's updates there as well. Um, Assembly Call Radio, I think is officially canceled for tonight. Um, they will be on Saturday after the men's game. Um, so they will be back. And then we also are part of the Back Home Network with Crimson Cast. So if you don't subscribe to them, take give them a listen. Um, Amanda Foster over there is done, doing a women's podcast on Tuesdays, giving a different different viewpoint uh, there. So that's a, a good lesson as well. As for our doing the work show, our next show is going to be after the um, Ohio State game on Monday. Again, that tip time is at um, seven o'clock Eastern. So uh, in six o'clock Central. So we will go on live right after that. So hopefully we will see you all again there. All right. And Andy, I think with that, we'll just uh, wrap it up here with last call. So how, what kind of thoughts do you want to leave us with tonight? Uh, just a, a, just so excited that people are getting behind this team as much as, uh, as much as they are. You, know, you guys have started doing the show here uh, within these last couple of seasons. And I think that speaks to the excitement that there is for the program. And, and it's awesome to see that many people be there at the game to take it in. And, and like I said, I, I'm hard pressed to find somebody who would watch this team um, and even this game in general, which you know, kind of like I said at the yeah. top, just a, a really competitive game between two really good teams. I, I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who you take to watch them play and be like, "Hey, that's that's a team that I don't want to go watch again." That just that just doesn't make sense to me. So, um, so right. hopefully, you know, for these last two home games that they've got after the Ohio State game, some huge crowds uh, will be there to cheer them on as they uh, they hopefully win the Big Ten. And um, just to you know, your stars have to be stars in some of these games. We say that on the assembly call a lot. Same is true here. Uh, stars of this team are Grace Berger and Mackenzie Holmes. They showed up big time tonight, particularly in the in the second half. And so, um, you know, kudos to them. Chloe Moore McNeil, we talked a lot about the defense on Caitlin Clark, who's a just outstanding player, outstanding shooter, passer, and uh, just made her night as, as rough as you could possibly make it uh, for her. So just an exciting, exciting win. They continue to stack these wins and uh, always fun to get on here. It lets me take notes during the – during things. So I maybe get uh, maybe a little bit less emotionally invested in the game, which is probably for the best, uh, but always happy to come on with you guys and um, 
if the team wasn't so darn good, I would I would take credit for them being two and zero when I when I've been on. But uh, when they only lose one game, Hard. you really can't yeah. you really can't pat yourself on the back too much for that. So I won't. No, no, we have a lot of lucky shirts going on in my house this year. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty much all lucky. As long as you burned whatever you yeah. ordered in the Michigan State game, you feel pretty yeah. good. I can't even remember. So I, whatever bad luck was on that, I think I've washed it out by now. So that's good. Yeah, I agree with all that, Andy. And I want to go back again to that number, 13,046. That was a record-setting crowd for us tonight for our women's team. And not just in regular season game. And I think that's important to note. So we beat the WNIT record when we held the the championship WNIT team there. And you know that was just over 13,000. And we beat that tonight. And so a huge thanks to all of our fans for coming out. And especially especially an early tip time on a Thursday, you know, school night, work night, whatever it is. And they still showed up and they were loud and they were impactful. And I thought, you know, that rattled Iowa um, at times as well. And Iowa's a veteran team. All five of their starters are back from last year. You know, so it's not like this is new for Iowa or they're playing with a mix of, of veterans and young player, although they did have the the gal off the bench as a freshman. But I, I again, just kudos to all of our fans who have showed up, the ones that are here with us tonight. You know, uh, Jeff and I obviously appreciate it coming in and listening to us um, talk with each other about um, women's basketball, our Indiana women's basketball team. Um, and it's contagious, Andy. And to your point, I was I've even, you know, rubbed off a little bit. I have an Iowa State friend and she was watching the game and texted me about it. And she's, you know, asking me some questions about Caitlin Clark and about some of my team and, and becomes infectious. And I think it's important for people to, to understand that and to give them a chance, right? Like, even though maybe historically our women's program hasn't been there, like you would expect our, because of our men's side, we don't have any banners yet other than our WNIT, but I think it's important to, to support what they're doing because it's historical. And even though they're not getting the national attention, we're really starting to see it, I think, ramp up from our fan base. And I'm very excited to see what we're going to do in our last two games, especially in that last Purdue game um, when we we host the Boilermakers at home. So I'm hoping, you know, that those that balcony can get even more full than it was tonight. So for me, just thanks to all the fans that have been out there supporting your team and the ones that are, you know, jumping on and coming along with us for this ride, because it's, it's been a lot of fun and um, it just even more fun when we can have friends together. So, um, well, with that, I will wrap us up here. If you do want to see us do our show live and be part of our live chat where we had um, well over a hundred people in our chat tonight. So thanks to everyone who showed up, but make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. You can also be part of our private community. You can go out to assemblycall.com slash community and find out how to join there. We have all kinds of fun, different conversations and polls and different things that we do in the community. So that's a lot of fun. Um, special thanks to John Rigger of Riggs Design for designing our lo new logo that you see. Also, a big thanks to Bob Thompson for our um, music that you've heard a couple of times throughout here. And most of all, thank you to all of you who are listening live or later on in whatever podcast uh, feed you like to listen to without you. Um, it just wouldn't be quite as fun. Um, but most of all, uh, thanks to Andy for coming on as well, for, for filling in for me. I appreciate that. So we'll be back with you to talk um, Indiana Women's Hoops on Monday night. But until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. All right. Well, thanks, Andy. Really hey, appreciate no you coming on.
So. Anytime. Glad I could. Glad I could do it. Thursday nights and night. No, that I don't have a, pra a practice to run. So worked out <laughs> Wonderful. well. Wonderful. Well, good worked deal. Well. So thanks to everybody in the chat too as well. I think I'll go ahead and uh, sign us off here. So good night, everybody. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Kathy.